Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to the Fever Pitch Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian. I'm Dan. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. A lot has been happening. We got the Super Bowl coming up this week. We had the what the Pro Bowl this past weekend. And you got the yep. star game coming up. Yeah. Also, we have the African Cup of Nations going on. We got a little bit of action happening in the WNBA. But let's dive straight into it. All right. Let's talk about what's going on in the NFL right now. Talk to me about Kadarius Tony. What's going on with this guy? Um, he's turned into like what's the word? What's the word? He's like notorious, like always in the media now. It's like when he's good, he's good, but when he's great, he's got awful. And you know, you saw him at Florida, he was really talented. He got busy in the open field. Taking mm-hmm. the first round in 2021 or 2020 by the Giants. And, you know, he thinks if he gets more volume, he can be a wide receiver one in the NFL. Ideally for the Chiefs. Do you, do you agree with that? I think uh, <laughs> I think he's capable. He won the first round for a reason. And I think, uh, you know, he may, he's in the doghouse now because he's just had a very bad swing this year with the drop passes and things of that nature. Yeah, bad, horrible, you know, same thing. So, so yeah, I think, you know, with more, you can only get better with repetition, but at the same time, if you do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, you're insane. So, it's tricky. So, so why do you think Kadarius Tony has went from a first-round draft pick to Burks for hands? Well, he definitely was injured in, in New York. And that kind of soured, that, that kind of stunted his growth. And, and you know, Andy Reid just said, hey, I'll take him. You're at one man's trash, right? And then he was, I think he was injured this season during training camp. And, you know, brick hands, brick hands, brick hands. And then it's like you, it's like once you have a rap sheet, the smallest hiccup, people are going to label you. You know, Deontay Johnson had a similar fate where he was dropping mad passes one year and then the following year, he cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe this could be his Deontay Johnson arc. And he can end up being a serviceable wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one. Mm. So then, especially when you think about that, you mentioned uh, he was injured in uh, the preseason and during camp. Is this kind of the testament to not playing through injuries, rest, and then come back? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Antonio Brown, <clears throat> pardon me, if you look at Antonio Brown, he was claiming to have injuries and things of that nature. And, you know, Bruce Arians made him play through it, and we saw how that went. Mm. On the, on the, on the, what's the word? On the alternative side, Kadarius Tony is claiming that he was never hurt. And oh. that he's fine and that he's healthy. But I feel like as the coaches, I think you know what's best for your players. And if there are if you believe they're not at full strength and you want to win, it's like, you know, you don't want to you want to trust your instincts mm-hmm. rather than, you know, because then it's like, oh, if we were so healthy, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's tricky. I just feel like that that bridge is like burning by the day. And I feel like he'll probably be on his way out next year. Honestly, I see it the same way. And uh, you mentioned uh, 
Antonio Brown. Honestly, I see a similar trajectory where we're just going to see a descent without the talent, but more into social media and messaging and things of those nature. Um, honestly, I think Kadarius Tony is not a bad player. I think he just had a bad go around of things. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to just reset and recalibrate. But mm-hmm. the Super Bowl is not the time for him to reset and recalibrate. Right. Yeah. I just think it's a down year. You had trading in the middle of the season last year. Yeah. It's your first full season with the it's your first full season with the team. Mm-hmm. You weren't the healthiest going into the year. And you looked a little shaky. It's like, you know, I don't I don't feel like it's like the biggest, you know, it's a it's a down year. I think he'll bounce, he'll bounce back. Granted, I am a Kadarius Tony shareholder in fantasy, so I'm hoping he bounces back, but only time will tell. Um, um I hope you trade him. Um, he's like he's like wide receiver six on my roster. So he's uh, like, he should be wide receiver zero at this point. Hey um, man, shout out shout out young Joker, man. We're we uh, for you over here. Mm-hmm. Hey man. Speaking of so we're talking about Kansas City, right? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes said something very interesting. He considers himself to be the Steph Curry of the NFL. What do you think about that? It's pretty accurate through and through. Both Vikings that that caused chaos for the defense. <laughs> uh, one on the hardwood, one on the gridiron. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, I feel like they're at the apex of what they do. Steph Curry shooting. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing the pigskin. They both do it at the level that we don't see often. Mm-hmm. And they both win at a high clip. I think it's a very fair comparison. Okay, okay. And uh, talk to me what's going on overall with uh, the Chiefs ahead of the Super Bowl. So, Joe Joe Tooney, or is it Tooney or Tooney? I think it's Tooney. Joe Tooney, yeah. uh, former O-liner from uh, New England, he, he agreed to a deal with uh, KC, I believe, last year or the year before. But He's been he's been a left tackle for Kansas City for the bulk of the for the bulk of the last two years post COVID. Uh, he suffered a pretty bad injury. He's an All Pro, very 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 talented offensive lineman, but he's been hobbled. Mm. He didn't play in the AFC Championship, and he's looking like a long shot to play in the Super Bowl, and. Uh, and, you know, as we saw when when uh, Patrick Mahomes went up against Tampa Bay, he's the guard, probably not left tackle. When Patrick Mahomes went up against Tampa Bay, his old line was hobbled, and he put up nine points. So we're starting to see some inklings of similar things starting to happen as the Chiefs had going on in uh, 2020. Right. Right. So... How do you think that'll bode for the Chiefs? I it held up fine during the AFC Championships, but everybody knows the Super Bowl is a different stage, completely. Absolutely, Absolutely. you know, games are won and lost in the trenches, and I feel like if you, despite the the lack thereof of Joe Tony, the backup tackle I believe is Jawan James. No, 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 Donovan Smith, Donovan Smith. Is the backup. I feel like he's a very capable offensive lineman as well. 
So I think they'll be able to to see it through. You know, Donovan Smith was he brought for Tom Brady, and he was he was on that Super Bowl. He was on that Super Bowl roster in Tampa Bay. So I feel like he he understands the nuances and can hold it down in the trenches in the biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. And he went to he went to Owings Mills High. So shout out Owings Mills. Yeah, in Maryland. Yeah. Hey, salute. Yep. Huh. Um, but uh you mentioned uh the Patriots and when I think the Patriots, I think Tom Brady. When I think Tom Brady, I think the fact that the only division in football that was ever able to keep him from getting two more rings was the NFC East. So tell me talk to me about what's going on in the NFC East. Hmm. Three more rings, honestly, because he lost three. the Giants twice and he lost the Philly. Oh snap, yeah, three. Yeah, three. Um, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Okay. The Washington Commanders have hired uh Dan Quinn as their as their uh head coach. Dan Quinn brought in Joe Witt. They were both in Dallas this past year and now they will be in Landover doing defensive things and the head coach things. Mm-hmm. Um additionally, Airbnb was set to Cancun. Uh it was a, it was it was a silent firing for the former uh Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator related to the bad marriage, and his job has been taken by Cliff Kingsbury, who mm. pulled the who pulled the rug on the Raiders. There were reports saying that he was he was on his way to Vegas as their offensive coordinator. And he spun the block and now he's heading to to uh Washington to be the OC for potentially Caleb Williams. I say potentially because. The Bears holding the number one pick. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility that they hitch their riding on Justin Fields. There's a possibility that they may trade that pick. Mm. Amongst other things. So in the event that Washington really wants to get their QB, which they kill you, Drake May. They say Drake May is a very good cons- cons- consolation prize. But you can't bring you can't hire Caleb Williams as a college. Offensive coordinator and then not draft them. So yeah. it's looking like they're going to trade up to the one on one and take Caleb there. Okay. So you're former Commanders fans. You've, we've been seeing the Commanders making a lot of moves this postseason from coaches, OCs, DCs. Just overall, it's been a, beer, a year of reset from the trades and everything that's been going on. If they trade up for Caleb Williams along with all the other moves they made this season, is it enough to win you back to be a Commanders fan? No, but I wish them well. Mm-hmm. It, what 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 inkling does it give you? I think we've seen this before when they traded them for Robert Griffin III. Mm. And, I mean, ironically enough, they took Kirk Cousins in that same draft, so no harm, no foul mm-hmm. to a degree. But here, you know, I feel like it's a good move. They're doing things the right way. I told them I thought they should tank outright. Sam Howell's not it, so hopefully they can move off him, get some capital for him, get some capital for him. I think mm-hmm. Sam Howell would be pretty good. Um, potentially in Arizona if they're not too if they're not too fixed on uh, Kyler Murray. If not Arizona, maybe Seattle. They're not too fixed on Geno. Not Seattle, maybe. I, I, I see Sam Howell as like a Falcons guy. 
Potentially the Falcons, yeah, yeah. You know, you know there's, a, there's a few places he can go. Take him to ATL, you know. Hey, hey man, Magic City. Is there anything the Commanders can do to get you back? No. Go with God, you know? You said Go with God. Hmm. Okay. No, 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 no. When my homies gets drafted or signs there, that I know personally in real life, I will root for him. And if he was... Uh, if he ends up playing for the Commanders, that's how we it. Hmm. So the homie got to get signed by the Commanders. Yeah, wherever the homie goes, I'm going. You got any homies in this upcoming draft? Uh, yeah, Christian Haynes at the UConn. If you saw that viral clip of him, it ran handling somebody in the trenches. That's my boy. I went to high school, middle school, and elementary school with Christian Haynes. So I'm looking forward to seeing his success. So hopefully. Uh, when I was looking at the mocks, I think he was slated to be like a late second, mid third rounder. So mm. y'all need an offensive lineman. Go, go get my boy. He'll, he's gonna do some damage. Okay. Hey, the bolo has been put out. Commanders go get him to get Dan back. I mean, unnecessarily, <laughs> but uh, hey, whatever works. Okay, talk to me about what's going on with the Dolphins. What what are they doing with their coaches? Oh, uh, so Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. Rick Fangio was the former DC there. He took his way to he headed over to Philly to be their DC. Mm-hmm. And as a replacement, they hired Anthony Weaver from Baltimore. I believe he was a linebacker's coach for y'all. Yeah. Or something like that. So how so I mean for real, for real, how do you feel about it? I mean, Anthony Weaver. He did, he does good work, and he for us he was our oh sorry he was our def- he was our D line coach. Honestly, it's yeah. very sad to see him go because you saw how the D line was this year with with Matabike, um, uh, Jadavion Clowney. They were really tearing it up this year. I mm-hmm. think like every every one of our defensive linemen had eight or more sacks this season, and wow. over a dozen QB pressures and things of that nature. Um. With some of them getting uh those strip sacks and things of that nature, so he's mm-hmm. very good with the defensive line. And before he was with us, he was with uh the Houston Texans. Um, he was uh Jadavion Clowney's former coach. So oh, look at that! For him to get the um position with uh, Miami, yeah. Miami as defensive coordinator, I'm happy for him. Salute! He's stepping up to the next level. Um, uh, being a DC, and I think he'll have much success. Obviously, there's going to be some fine tuning getting used to it, but having a good foundation in the trenches is always a good sign. If you can get after the QB, it makes it easier for the secondary, and that's always a consistency. Well said. I didn't realize he played for a little bit. He he was around when I was watching football, and he wasn't he wasn't half bad. He had fifteen. 15 and a half sacks over the course of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Um, third round, second round pick out of Notre Dame. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to Anthony Weaver mm-hmm. getting it done as a player in the LA DC. Yeah, one thing that we're seeing definitely with these coaches is coaches are now more coming from a having played in the NFL perspective i think the league is kind of making that new shift where it's like you're getting less of career coaches and things of that nature right 
Like mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Weaver, he played at Notre Dame. He was a second round pick in 2002. Um, and he played in the NFL, funny enough, for Baltimore and the Texans from mm-hmm. 2002 to th- 2008. And then he went back and as a coach, um, he started at Florida. Then he went to North Texas, and then he entered the NFL as an assistant D-line coach to the Jets, and then a D-line coach to the Bills, then to the Browns, to the Texans, and and then to the Ravens. And now he's it's kind of full circle. He's back in Florida, where he started as a graduate assistant, um, but now he's with the Dolphins. So it's kind of funny how things come full circle like that, and I think mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to be seeing something special from him because clearly he's shown that he has the time and he is willing to put in the uh, correct correction. He has the dedication and effort and is willing to put that forth because for over the last 14 years, he's been a D line coach and we've seen the efforts and fruits of that. And even with Baltimore, he was a run game coordinator and he was, and this isn't his first time being DC either. He was DC for Houston in 2020. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Also, the Dolphins hired Joe Barry from Green Bay, former defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator in the Green Bay is now the linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely making some moves on defense to get it bolstered up. So be on the be on the lookout. Yeah, salute to him. Talk to me about what's going on with um the Saints. Okay, so they hired Clint Kubiak. I believe that is the son of Gary. Let me verify my sources. That Clint Kubiak is indeed Gary Kubiak's son. Uh he's worked yes, he's worked on the Gary Kubiak for a number of years. Uh, prior to his uh, uh, agreement with the Saints to be the OC, he was an offensive coordinator in Minnesota, as well as uh, passing coordinator, passing in coordinator in San Fran and Denver, respectively, for two one-year stints. Uh, pretty young guy, pretty young guy. Uh, doesn't look like he played, but you know, when your dad, you, you when your dad is uh, Gary Kubiak, you know, Broncos. Broncos legend. I think he had some success in the Houston and Baltimore as well. So he comes from a football. He comes from a football family, very well, well trained and well, you know, learned in the in the sport of football. So I'm sure this will be probably his biggest, second biggest, because he's a former OCU. So he's getting that that. Uh, <clears throat> That the opportunity to show his talents once again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned that he has history um in the league, um, with uh being an offensive coordinator for the Vikings um in twenty twenty one. It'll be interesting to see how that pivots. Um in twenty twenty three he was under the Shanahan system, he was with the 49ers. So yeah. When you look at the teams that he's been with throughout his career, from Vikings to the Broncos to the 49ers, it'll be interesting to see how they put that culmination together with um, Derek Carr and James Winston. And yeah. speaking of that situation, 
do you think the Saints will definitively pick a QB one this year? Oh, uh, between Derek Carr and Jameis? Yeah. I feel like um how many more years of Derek Carr have on his contract? Because they gave Derek Carr a lot of money. And I feel like this 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 gives us a good opportunity to highlight a few things. So mm-hmm. Derek Carr is paid. Mm-hmm. He has one more year on this deal before they can let him go. But really, if they let him go, they had to eat, they had to eat some dead money. He's really done in twenty twenty six. But you know, Jameis. I feel like they're gonna use Jameis as a scapegoat because of that incident at Week eighteen, where Jamal Williams, who wasn't really getting much, P- P- he wasn't really getting much PT all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints were up big, and you know, typically, you go into victory formation. Instead, they ran a play out of Vidu formation to get Jamal Williams a rushing TD before the season ended. The prior year, he had about 17 or 18 rushing TDs, and then this year he had none until that one scumbaggish rushing TD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur Smith, the Falcons' former head coach, didn't receive that well. He had some choice words for um, Dennis Allen when that when that occurred. Obviously, James Winston and Co. defended it, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but ultimately, it looks like you think they'll rock with Derek Carr. What about yeah. Winston's contract? What's his contract yeah. looking like? Yeah, let me take a look. While 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 I looked at that, what are your thoughts on like victory formation and like the unwritten rules it's like if you're blowing the team out you gotta take your fall to gas what do you think about that i think when unless there's a rivalry or things of that nature you should definitely take your foot off the gas because you don't want some unwarranted animosity coming to bite you in the butt in the future um when you do things like that they uh you give a team fuel to come after you in the future and mm-hmm. they'll use that fuel to make things happen you know it's very simple if if it's whether it's a late dunk and a blowout game for no reason instead of dribbling the ball out Mm -hmm. or whether it's being the ball out um when when you got a minute left and you're already up by like 30 or 40 the Mm -hmm. scumbag plays and things of that nature it's unsportsmanlike and it's not good for the culture because compete when people are competing against you. It's the same thing as kicking a guy while he's down. Why would you ever do that? Mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel you. Well said. Yeah. Uh, James Wilson, he was on the two-year $28 million deal, and that contract was restructured a little bit. So he has a one-year $4 million deal on top of that. So I think he'll be in the – he'll be in the – in the uh, what's from call it? He'll be in the facility at least unless they move off him. They could cut him, but if you know, it's a, it's a possibility. Shannon Sharp, when it happened, Shannon Sharp said that yes, yeah, something like that is a cut of offense. And if he was in charge of the Saints, he would let Jameis go. I thought that was a bit much, but hey. Wait, so did Jameis choose to do that? Like I'm confused. Yeah, I think I think Coach Dennis Allen. Called you know victory formation, but you know James was looking out for Jamal Williams, so they they got in victory formation, but he handed the ball off to Jamal Williams could could score. 
Oh, no. oh, ooh, yeah, that's not yeah. why because what he needed a touchdown for to in order for his uh money to hit. No, it was just he has like 17 or 18 touchdowns a year before, and then this year he got injured, didn't play that much, but they were like, you know, let's get let's get our guy one. Yeah, well, he can get his touchdowns when somebody's trying to compete. You were injured all year, and they didn't go to the playoffs, so let it die. Okay. I'll I'll tell you, yeah. Talk to me about Kellen Moore to the Eagles. Uh, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore. Well, you know, a long time Dallas associated, he he was a Cowboys quarterback and then a Cowboys OC. And then he said, you know what? I'm not going to be a Cowboys OC anymore. I'm going to head to L.A. to coach, uh, to coordinate offense for that guy. And, well, it didn't really, it didn't really pan out to his uh, to his satisfaction. And didn't pan out at all. <laughs> and after one year in L.A., he is now in Philly to be the offensive coordinator for Jalen Hurts. I think it's a good signing. Um, I think... It was a chess move, knowing that you got to play Dallas twice a year, and you probably should have beat them twice. So they're trying to get that that uh, pocket advantage there. Addition, addition, additionally, I think Kellen Moore is a better OC than uh than uh, I think his name is Brian. No, not, yeah, I think his name is Brian, the former OC in Philly. And you saw as the as the season went on. Uh, um, Brian Johnson wasn't it. Obviously, they lost. What's the guy's name? Then Shane Steichen to Indy last year, and they had Brian Johnson as the replacement, and it just wasn't working at all. So I think going from Shane Steichen to Kevin Moore is definitely a positive. So hopefully, it pans out. Yeah, I hope so too. It'll be interesting to see how he matches up against the Cowboys. He played in Dallas from. 2015 to 2017, and then he coached them from 2018 to 2022. So yeah. he has a lot of history with Dallas, and I think that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that facility. He knows that culture, and I think he's happy to be back in the NFC East. Most definitely. You know what's crazy? What? He was in the league for one, two, three, six years. Only played three games. Yeah, it wasn't a very good QB. I mean, he went to Boise State. Um, oh, don't get me wrong. Boise State, he was nice. He was no, no, nice. he was that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he his record overall was fifty and three. He he was doing his thing, but it didn't translate to the NFL. Whether it was yeah. development issues or things of that nature, but hey, yeah. you know, he's found his foot as a coach, and he's as an offensive coordinator, and he's pretty young. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in a head coach position in the next, like, four or five years. I agree. I agree. Honestly, if you ask me, this is my hot take. Mm. I think he's knocking on Sirianni's door. Mm. So. Okay. Why do you think that? If you saw the absolute debacle that happened this year, to go from 10-1 to wild card exit, 10-1 to wild card exit, and you didn't win. and well, Dallas won the division, right? So yeah, ten and one, no division title and a wild card exit. Mm-hmm. I thought Sirianni was only gone this year, but mm-hmm. next year, if they look, eh, oh yeah, he's getting that head coach job immediately. 
Yeah, I think the issue with this year is the Eagles had more injured players than they would like to admit or let on. I think Jalen Hurts was definitely injured or hurt. Yeah. There was something going on there. Um, And hopefully with the longer postseason, they got some time to rest up and heal up, and I look forward to seeing what they do next season. Uh, I think they'll take the division from the Cowboys next year. Um, yeah, well, you know, especially with your offensive coordinator having that many years of experience over there. That's what that's I don't I don't hate it. You know what's crazy? What they spent all this time in Cancun. Now you can think the NFL say, you know what, y'all get to play in Brazil next year. So mm. yeah, you know the NFL has their international series. Uh, you know, London. They played in Germany a few times. I think mm-hmm. they played in Mexico a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And now they got a Brazil game. And the first rendition of that Brazil game will be the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the uh, uh Brazil game. Have the opponents been announced yet? I don't think so. But it's going to be on week one. Okay, so season opener. That should be interesting, especially yeah. uh, Brazil. I know they have a few World Cup was hosted over there, so they definitely have the facility and infrastructure for it. So uh, definitely mm-hmm. still good. I'm glad to see the NFL branching out. Uh, can't wait till they have a game in uh, West Africa one day. Whether it be Nigeria, Ghana, Ivory Coast, or something of that nature. So, sure. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it probably it'll it'll probably be South Africa. Honestly, that'll probably yeah. be first because they have the infrastructure from the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Yeah, funny enough, this will be a Friday night game in Brazil. Mm. We September sixth, they have a Friday night game. Uh, the Eagles are facing who was their opponent? <laughs> I don't think they've released the opponent. Yeah, yeah, they haven't released that yet. Yeah. But the Eagles are really being the home team in this matchup. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so we've been talking a lot about coaches, right? Um uh, a name popped up that piqued my interest, uh Harbaugh. Not John, not Jim, but Jay Harbaugh. Who's Jay Harbaugh? John, Jim, Jingleheimer Schmidt. Okay, Jay Harbaugh, I believe is a son of Jim. Uh, the son of Jim. Yeah. yeah, he's Jim's son. Jim Harbaugh. Oh, how old is Jim Harbaugh? Then they're seventy, like early sixties. Oh, oh yeah, he's sixty, huh? Oh, sixty. Oh well, yeah. So yeah, Jay Harbaugh is Jim Harbaugh's son. John Harbaugh's nephew, Jack Harbaugh's grandson. So the Harbaugh family can coach very well. Mm-hmm. He went to Oregon State. He was an undergrad assistant there, had a cup of coffee in Baltimore as a quality control coach. And then he followed his dad to Michigan for about the the, the entirety of Jim's tenure in at uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He is now serving as oh, he also coached the game in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting that win against UNLV while his dad was on suspension, he was an interim coach there. Um, so now he is serving as the I think, I think 
What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Closing in on joining the Seahawks as a offensive coordinator. Really? Jay Harbaugh will be the first coordinator job that the Seahawks hire. Yeah. Pardon me. Special teams coordinator. Okay. For the Seahawks. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so um prior okay. You said what? Yeah, so prior to uh this, this acquisition, he was the safeties and special teams coordinator. He was the safeties coach and special teams coordinator at Michigan under Jim. So now uh, Mike McDonald has called his I uh, guess play nephew to join his staff. <laughs> Uh, love a love a little nepotism, baby, because I'm looking at his history. Uh, essentially, fresh out of college, he was uh, offensive quality control for the Baltimore Ravens, and then he's been with the Michigan since 2015. Uh, being helping with special teams, then tight ends, then running backs, then tight ends, and then safeties. So he's been getting his hand to work with special teams and then various uh, player groups to build up his resume. So that's very good for him, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one thing that uh, this makes me think of because, you know what I'm saying? I think it's like the moniker is essentially Jay Harbaugh. You know, if you got Jay Harbaugh in your name, you're going to be a head coach somewhere one day. Probably. You know what I'm saying? If you look at that family tree overall, got Jack, Jim, John. Now, yep. Jack. I think Jack was a coach at. Let me see. Jack Harbaugh. Oh, he also played for a little bit, and he's Jack is actually the assistant head coach at Michigan right now, at eighty-four mm. years old. Hmm. Okay. But prior to prior to that. He was a running back coach at Stanford, running back coach at the University of San Diego, head coach at West Kentucky. Yeah, he made his bones in college and high school. Never coached in the NFL, but he was a long-time college coach. Hmm. You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. This reminds me of the Bohr family. Um, and when I say the Bohr family, I'm talking about Niels Bohr. You know, uh, for those who don't know, Niels Bohr. Scientist? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Let me cook. Let me cook, right? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because in the Bohr family, there's three Nobel Prize winners for physics, chemistry, and other sciences. Um, um, Niels Bohr won one. Uh, Age Bohr, Age Niels Bohr, his son was a nuclear physicist. He also won a Nobel Prize. Um, and uh, Margaret Bohr, uh, the wife of Niels Bohr also won a Nobel Prize, right? So this, I think this is uh, kind of the same thing where it's like in that family, there's a culture of, in order to get respect in the family, um, it builds a culture of you have to be good at this thing that this family does. You know what I mean? It's, the same, it's the same reason why you see like, somebody's father is like a lawyer, doctor, engineer. Their son typically becomes like a lawyer, doctor, engineer. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And uh, I think uh, in that same case, that's what's happening with the Harbaugh family, you know, mm-hmm. but it's coaching in the in the NFL, coaching in the NCAA at the highest level. Um, and, and even Jim said he didn't get respect. He didn't feel like he got the chance to sit at the table until he won the NCAA national championship. Now both of them are coaching in the NFL because John had one 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Jack has always had one about uh, their dad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in order to sit at the table, you have to be a champion as a coach. And they've shown that, especially in football. So I'm sure they're in for a very interesting Thanksgiving with everybody being uh, some type of coach in the NFL. And now you have a father-son coach uh, going head-to-head with each other. Do the Seahawks and Chargers play each other this upcoming season? I'm about to find out. I want to see the Chargers for the Ravens, too. Yeah. I believe the Chargers play the Ravens. I think so. And I think the Seahawks play the Ravens. So, let's see. They're slated to play... They play the AFC West, the AFC North, the NFC South, the AFC South, and they put the Cardinals. That's the NFC West opponent. So they play was on the next year. But they do put the Ravens this year at home. Yeah. So yeah, we play the Chargers away in 2024. Mm-hmm. The Ravens. Um, yeah, I don't see any sign of the Ooh, Seahawks not till 2027. It's looking like. Yeah, because we just played them, so that makes sense. Right. But, yeah, the Chargers are this upcoming year, so we're going to have a hardball game. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be nice to see. Um, but let's talk about the Cowboys, right? So the Cowboys are still looking for a defensive coordinator, correct? I believe they reached out to Joe Wood. No, 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 because Joe Wood went to, went to Washington. So, yes, they are. Right. So – I was talking to some fans of the Cowboys and I was asking them who they would want to see as um, defensive coordinator. Um, I got a couple of names and uh, I'm sure as always, you can illuminate me more about these people or the ones that aren't so obvious. Um, The number one one was Bill Belichick. Um, Obviously very defensive minded and uh, the Cowboys want to, a lot of Cowboys fans want him as a defensive coordinator. Um, additionally, uh, Mike Zimmer. Tell me about Mike Zimmer. All right, so Mike Zimmer, <clears throat> fire. <clears throat> Goodness gracious. So Mike Zimmer, uh, he was a long-time coach. I know him most notably as a Vikings coach, as the head coach of the Vikings. But prior to that, he also served as a coach, as an uh, assistant coach to the Cowboys, Falcons, and the Bengals. Uh, he also had a couple, a few cups of coffee in uh, college. He was a consultant for Jackson State the year Dion was there, and he wasn't coaching at any point since then. So he does. He's well. He's well. He's well read. When it comes to defense, and he was a former DC for the Cowboys for seven years. So, 
he'd be returning in that capacity. Mm. No wonder they want him. He even has a Super Bowl under his belt. Yeah, with, with Dallas. Yep. Um. So the next person on the list is Al Harris. Can you tell me about Al Harris? Al Harris was a longtime Packer DB. So he played in the NFL. It's a great DB for the Packers. I think he's now the current uh, D-backs coach, if I'm not mistaken. Under, he, you know, he's a Mike McCarthy guy because Mike McCarthy coached him in, in, in uh, Green Bay. And then he eventually made his bones uh, as an intern with the Dolphins. Had a few because of coffee in Kansas City. Went to Florida, went to Florida, Florida Atlantic for a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's been he's been right at the hip with that Mike McCarthy since twenty twenty. As a player before before playing in Green Bay, he had a cup of coffee in Philly, Tampa Bay, and then after Green Bay, he had a cup of coffee with the Dolphins and the Rams. So he's well he's well traveled as a corner, no pun intended. So, um, I think if he were to serve as DB, it would be a good fit, especially if they if they plan on retaining uh, Coach McCarthy. So, yeah, I mean, it could work. Okay, okay, and then uh, I have a following statement. Uh, I didn't from a from a fan of the Cowboys. I didn't get permission to say their name, but. Uh, he said, I'd love to see them either promote Al Harris and give him a shot due to his ability to create and develop star DBs the right way. Players also seem to love him, and I feel like it's a low-risk, high-reward situation. Also would love Rabel as well, strong-minded coach who doesn't take any stuff from anyone. Wouldn't be opposed well, to Zimmer, but he'd be the last of the options for me. And uh, Rivera is someone I do not want and will probably just laugh if we end up hiring him why do you think people don't want to see ron rivera as defensive coordinator he's not good at hold on (laughs) (laughs) i I can see you started getting flashbacks to your to your commander's days Oh man, uh, Ronald Rivera. He can't manage timeouts. He fired his DC in Washington, and the defense got worse. Um, he can't draft that well because, well, I won't put that on there because the Cowboys stole Michael Parsons from the from the Commanders, and I I would hope that had Michael Parsons been there at pick, I forgot what pick they had that year. Ron Rivera would have encouraged the front office to take Michael Parsons. But um, outside of the glory days of Cam Newton, what is Ron Rivera known for? Playing for the Bears in the in the 80s? I mean, cool. I mean, he, he has a Super Bowl under his belt and he got and he won the Pop Warner trophy as a player. Yeah, so he was a he was a pretty good linebacker for the eighties. For the for the eighties Bears. Oh, he won Super Bowl twenty. Hmm. Yeah, he's won AP NFL Coach of the Year twice in twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. Yeah, in the prime of Cam Newton. What happened after that? Nathan. Uh, hmm. he won the George Hallis Award, which is the 
NFL coach who overcomes the most adversity to succeed. Yeah, he beat cancer and he changed the franchise. That's it. He's the resume. The resume isn't what you think it is. As a head coach, he's about five hundred. Uh, he's slightly sub five hundred. He's uh 0.498 postseason losing record. Um, overall, he's a losing coach. Yeah, I mean, he's not awful, yeah. but I think you need to put uh, you need to stock the cupboard with all the goods before he can do anything. Okay, because as you see, he never had a winning record in Washington. He had a winning record, one, two, three, four. When Cam Newton played well, the Panthers played well. So I attribute all the Panthers' success to Cam Newton and their defense. Okay. Uh, so, congrats, or I'm sorry, or sure. both. I'm not sure which one they use. <laughs> so does that mean you would say that the success of Ron Rivera has been uh, conflated or rather say overrated? Yeah, because when, when the commanders hired him, I thought this was a W hire for sure. Mm. And then I realized uh, he can't use timeouts well. He's stubborn. And yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um. I think Ron Rivera will most likely not have a job this season, but I don't think this is the last we see of Ron Rivera. I think he'll make a resurgence maybe after next season. I agree. I think he has a radio show. Wait, no, that's Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has a radio show. I think he might give like a TV job for a little bit. They got Jerry Jones on the radio. Yeah, he has a radio show. He's a little too old to be on the radio. He might say something he's not supposed to say. Well, you know. Must be the money. Must be <laughs> the money. But <laughs> yeah, uh oh, Mama very even he had a he was in DC for a while, but he's he's a he's a military kid. So okay. um I'm sure that the stint in Washington was very heartfelt for him. But yeah, I mean he might take it, he might take it, he might take a year off like Belichick, but um I don't think he should be head coaching again. Mm-hmm. Um I mean oh NBC reported that the Cowboys have interviewed Ron Rivera and Mike Zimmer. So this is, yeah, as of today, they've been interviewed in the past two days. Do I want to, I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. So, you know, a lot of these minority coaches are sometimes just like Ronnie Rule, uh, what's the word? Obligation fillers. So it's like, the Rooney Rule, you got to interview a minority. You have to. You Wait, so, can you elaborate on this? What is I've never heard of this rule before. Yeah, so the Rooney Rule uh, was named after, I think, Art Rooney. I don't want to get his name wrong. I think it was Art Rooney II is who the rule was named after. And it's pretty much affirmative action. Every team must interview one ethnic minority candidate for head coaching and senior football operations jobs. Not Art Rooney, not Art Rooney Dan Rooney, I'm sorry. Dan Rooney was a former owner of the Steelers. Um, so why is it named after him? Uh, it was named after Dan. That's a good question. 
the minority culture was in the name the white a white man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> salute or not, it was created as a reaction to t- in two thousand two Tony Dungy and De- Dennis Green, rest in peace, Den- Dennis Green, were both fired. Even though Tony Dungy had a winning record that year, and Dennis Green had that that was Dennis Green's only losing record in that ten years span. Uh, Johnny Cochran and Cyrus Mary, civil rights attorneys, released a study showing that black head coaches get fired at a higher propensity despite winning despite winning a good amount of games mm. in comparison to, to their white fellows. Um, so yeah, they, they put, you know, they raised the they raised the uproar, they started the movement, and Eventually, it turned into the Rooney Rule. Um, it was to ensure that minority coaches would be considered. But, I mean, I could consider anything. So, that's not saying much. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I did not know this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing a little bit more reading right now. But, yeah, since, it's, since the establishment of the Rooney Rule... Mike Tomlin, you know, was hired by the Steelers, and he's been coaching there since I've been watching football. Well, that's not, that's not true. I caught the tail in the Bill Cower. So since then, he's been coaching there. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Flores got the job with Miami briefly. That went away. And <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and then Mike McDaniel, whose dad is African-American, he was able to win the job there. Robert Sava of Lebanese descent, Todd Bowles, and Tamika Ryans, etc. Hmm. Wait, Mike McDaniel's black? Yeah, you got a black daddy. He don't Mike, know him. Mike McDaniel? Yeah, his dad black. Like the... The Dolphins head coach, yeah. His father is black. He's black? Um, I don't think he has a relationship with his dad, though. Oh, his dad. His dad's black. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Did not know about this rule, but I mean, it sounds like overall, this led to more good for the league. I mean, in theory, not in practice. <laughs> theory. I mean, Mike Tomlin. He's been here for how many years? Yeah, but damn, we're going down the rabbit hole, Brian. It's cool. So no, Forrest, just say it. Come on, talk, you know, yo. This is your know, platform. Brian Forrest sued the NFL because he alleged that some of these GMs and owners were, were giving BS interviews just to fulfill the obligation. He alleged that John Elway and other uh, Denver, Denver Broncos executives showed up to the interview intoxicated, so they were just they were hungover and they showed up an hour late to the interview, allegedly. So naturally, it's like, yeah, the interview wasn't going to go any type of way. And yeah, he also alleged that, well, that's different. That Stephen Ross uh, was offering about 100 bands to lose each game on purpose and a bunch of other things. So, yeah. Oh. I mean, Brian Flores, he's with. Uh... Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. 
Um, that Minnesota defense was pretty sturdy. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually, a few other coaches joined Brian Wolfers in the lawsuit, and then March of last year, a district court judge granted the NFL's motion to compel arbitration. What does that mean? Uh, excerpt asked for. Let's see, motion to compel. We're getting there. We're getting this off of our education on the Fearfish podcast. You know? Hey, you got to. You got to, you know. Motion to compel. There is no time limit for emotions. What does it mean? Ask the court to order the order either the opposing party or a third party to take some take some action. So basically it's like, hey, he said y'all do the he says y'all did this. Respond. And I'm not really sure what the response was, but he's coaching now, so all's well that ends well. Hmm. Yeah. Hey. Shout out Brian Flores, uh, New York native, New York native, went to Boston College, four chips with the New England Patriots as a coach. So yeah, yeah, very capable, very capable, very capable, and he only coached fifty games, and he had a about five hundred records, so. I trust I trust that if he's saying that there was some something going on, he's not lying, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And just to just to add a few more uh nuggets. When he interviewed for the Giants position that was ended up being taken by Brian Dayball, uh Bill Belichick allegedly accidentally texted Brian Flores saying, Yeah, you're a lock for the position. That message was Allegedly in- intended for Brian Dayball and Bill Belgium said, Yeah, I effed this up. I'm so sorry. Yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, it's tricky, but hopefully he can parlay this uh, dev- defensive coordinator role for the Vikings to a head coach job elsewhere. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That well, is. The more you know, I actually didn't know that, you know. Um, Here we are. Learn something. Um, But we were talking about earlier about uh, Ron Rivera being overrated. Speaking of things that may be overrated, uh, a lot of fans have been talking about the fact that if you look at Joe Burrow's stats, he's actually pretty overrated. He went to the Super Bowl one year, but besides that, he hasn't really done much in the totality of his career. And when you consider his age and him entering the NFL a little bit later, you know, transport portal woes and things of that nature, yeah. Talk to me. What do you think about the situation? Um, he's either injured or a couple games away from winning a Super Bowl ring. And if you look at the if you look at the trajectory, rookie year, hurt. Year two, Super Bowl. Year three, he's six four. <laughs> year three, was he injured year three? I think he was. Let me see. No, year three, year three, AFC Championship, year four injuries. So it's like it's one and the other. Mm. Um, when I was watching the video, it was basically saying, like, yeah, of course he kicked ass in college, but in the league, he's, you know, eh, eh. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, he got that dog in him. He's had two postseason runs. His overall yes. playoff record is five and two. Yes. He also got sacked 19 times in his first playoff run, which is the NFL record. And he lost 137 yards of, of sack yardage, which is also an NFL record. 
Um, I'm gonna pull up some some quick points from that video. I watched it earlier. Yeah. And one of my homies sent it again, so I was like, let me see if I can just. Yeah. And then, funny enough, that season he led the league in getting sacks and sacks per yard, sack sack yardage of 370. So, I think that year his offensive line was just abysmally the worst ever. But funny enough, yeah. that year he had the highest throwing percentage. He had his highest uh, completion percentage and highest yards per attempt at uh, 461. So, salute. Uh, I mean, and through the most I'm... touchdowns, 82. No, longest touchdown. Oh, longest touchdown, 82. Uh, my fault. Um, let me see if I can Good catch it. there. That would have. <laughs> Dan said, Dan said, that does not sound correct. <laughs> Dude, the longest touchdown of his career, hey. which is 82. Has anybody thrown? What's the most touchdowns thrown in a season? I think it's 55 by Peyton. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Peyton threw 55 in 2013. Mm. His second year with the Broncos, or that's his first year. His. Hey, man, what a guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's second year with the Broncos, 55 TDs, almost 5,500 yards. Peyton Manning's not even 55, not even 50 years old. Yeah, he's like 45. 47. 46. 6'5. 47. He's 6'5. Bro, bro that, do you see his forehead, bro? <laughs> hey, salute, salute, salute. Bro, salute. he's getting like five he's, inches from his forehead. He's talking memes. <laughs> hey, bro, that's 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 a Louisiana boy right there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, through, through, through. Oh my goodness! He had twenty. He had twenty eight picks as a rookie. Peyton Manning. Yeah, and then went thirteen three the following year. What a guy! <laughs> he knows how to lock in. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Huh. Let me pull some. Pull some. Some, uh, Most played right. 20 years. Mm -hmm. 3 and 13 to 13 and 3. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but what, what were you pulling up? Yeah, so I don't know if you can hear the video, but I'm going to just try and get some of the. You, you can share your screen if you want. Oh, that makes sense. All right, I'm going gonna, gonna, to get on Twitter and pull that out real quick. All right. While you're pulling that up, um, let's talk about Travis Kelsey said that George Kittle is the best tight end in the league. What do you think about that? I think if you talk about the totality of the tight end position, blocking included, yeah. Mm. You don't think there's a who – who are your close – who are your top three tight ends in the league? I would say Kittle, Kelsey, and – Mark Andrews is holding on to that three spot, but Laporte is right there for me. Mm. Laporte's young, though. He just started. And he looks dangerous. <laughs> he does look dangerous. Yeah. So here's a video right here. Okay. Exactly has Joe Burrow done to separate himself into the upper echelon of quarterbacks? People complain all the time if you put Lamar or Herbert over him. Please, without using team success, because you know it's a team sport, give the arguments for Burrow being better. It's truly a ridiculous discussion at its core because Joe has quite literally done nothing to show he's better than guys in his same tier despite having a better supporting cast than almost all of them. The guy has consistently had a better defense than every other starting quarterback in his class outside of Hurts, yet you'll have people acting like this man is rallying the 0-16 line. 
issues. For example, a guy like Acho who said, don't bring down Herbert's supporting cast to lift him up. How the Chargers look like without Herb and how the Bengals look like without Burrow. That's right. One put out one of the worst teams in NFL history and the other finished four and two, almost making the playoffs in a stacked AFC while averaging 26 in those last six games. It's also ironic how whenever a quarterback has injuries early in their career, they get labeled injury prone, like Lamar to or Kyler. But not with Joe, who seems to have this cloak of invisibility whenever anything seems to go wrong with the Bengals. The last time we saw Joe in the playoffs, he threw two ill-advised picks, one of which being midway through the fourth with a chance to take the lead. Yet all people could talk about afterwards was how poor his offensive line play was. There's been this narrative of coddling quarterbacks and how some can do no wrong. And for some reason, despite being the golden child furthest, Burrow's name has been left out of it. Let's ruffle some feathers even more. Going forward on their respective contracts, I'd rather have Pat, Josh, Lamar, Love, Herbert, A.R., Shroud, Caleb, and Drake, then Joe on five years, $275 million. These past four years, we have seen Joe get beat up, some of which is his fault for holding the ball too long, but nothing's going to change. Jamar in the near future is going to eat up the amount of cap space they paid himself, T. Higgins, and Mixon combined all by himself, and the situation's only going to get worse on the back end of Joe's contract. As the talent gets worse, I wouldn't be shocked if Taylor's play-calling concerns reappear and the Bengals enter this purgatory where they have all this money tied up and nothing to show for it. People are going to rant in the comments and say I'm hating, but to have the confidence you guys have in this man. Their best shot was versus the Rams. That was it. This team is going to have a difficult enough time trying to compete in the AFC North, let alone the AFC as a whole. The narrative around Herbert is he's the go-to hypotheticals. Meanwhile, the discourse around Burrow is either over a year old, about a four-game stretch in October, or made up. But hey, he's got a cool nickname. Hmm. Now, when I heard that the first time, I was like, oh, well, he's making some good points. And then my homie put in the Gucci, I was like, oh, let me listen to this again. I was like, oh, maybe the discussion behind Burrow is all unfleeted because of the media. Honestly, when you look at Joe Burrow in totality, Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. Yeah. But he does get thrown a lot of bail. In situations where he should have caught a lot more flack and hate, uh, the people rallied around him. Because in a way, especially for Cincinnati, and I think this is more of a case of Cincinnati being louder than everybody else, that's, that's their golden boy when, you, mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. He... Hero balled to LSU through through LSU and uh, won that championship and had those iconic moments with the cigar smoking and things and that nature. He went number one overall, and then uh, after those that, that those first year injuries and woes, he pulled up and he made it to the Super Bowl, and then he contended with um, Patrick Mahomes the following year. Though he did lose, yes, he did contend, um, and. I don't think Joe Burrow's a bad QB by any nature. I do think he does just he the media doesn't hold him accountable the same way that you see them hold his AFC North um uh what's what's it what's it called? Compatriots or compadres or yeah, compadres counterparts. Yes, counterparts. <laughs> um, in the same regard. Like uh as you'll see, even with the Let's look at the Steelers, right? You look at uh, Kenny Pickett. Everybody's like, oh, it's been two seasons, and everybody's like, oh, Kenny Pickett's trash. All right. That's what pe that's what the narrative is. Kenny Pickett's trash, and yes, he had a bad OC, but Kenny Pickett hasn't been playing good football. That's, that's the narrative. Yes. When you look at 
uh, Browns. Uh, who? What's his name? Mr. Miyagi, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, the massage man himself. You know what I'm saying? Um, just as quickly as he came, he went back into being injured again. Um, and the Browns do like Deshaun Watson, but they're it's very clear that he's injury prone. And honestly, the narrative around him is, can you stay healthy and will you perform? And he's been labeled injury prone. Lamar, don't even get me started. Been labeled injury prone, a running back, a wide receiver, everything but a quarterback. Um, But when you look at it, Lamar has done a lot. And out of the people named, he's the only one with, who's going to be getting their second MVP, knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. So, and Lamar's thing is, oh, you can't, you you choke in the playoffs. And honestly, you're, you're, you're getting uh, saved by your defense. That's the, the narrative on Lamar. And mm-hmm. even on first take, they're like, they're saying that Lamar will never win a Super Bowl and things of that nature. Um, essentially saying that he isn't in the ranks of anybody who, who's come before him, who's won two MVPs and gotten a yellow jacket. Even though we saw with right. and he had those early season woes, those early uh, year woes and things of that nature, but he still came back on top. Right. Um, all in all, I do think that Joe Burrow doesn't get enough scrutiny, but I don't think he's bad. Um, I think it's also just a case for him that the narrative around him is going to be, people are now aware that you've kind of skated by on blaming your O-line and things of that nature. But when you look at it in totality, your team has been good. Are you going to step up to the ball and stay healthy this year? Are you going to do what you need to do? Are you going to stay healthy? Because there's ways to not get injured. Don't put yourself in dangerous situations. Hmm. Play within your limits. Know your body. It's a Hmm. kinesthetic intelligence. Know the abilities and limits of your body. You know, all right. You're by no means bad, but let's be real. You shouldn't be do, doing some of the things that you, you attempt to do in the game, right? You know what I'm saying? Not everybody's like Josh Allen, who's built of essentially steel, because honestly, when I see some of the stuff he does, I'm like, okay, you shouldn't be doing this, but... Josh Allen is the crash dummy. Yeah. So... It, it seen, yeah. It's <laughs> working for him, but you know you can't do that. Don't do that. You know you'll hurt yourself, you know? Yes. But yeah. Um, he is overrated, but he's not overrated as much as people think he is. I think the narrative is just louder for people who live up north because the Bengals love him that much. But the Bengals have a right to love him. They took him, they he took them out of a playoff purgatory. So, yeah. right now, how many quarterbacks would you take over Burrow? Um, I'm taking Lamar over Burrow. I'm taking. In the whole NFL, all right. Let me yeah. let, me, uh, let me pull up the the whole list of current current QBs. Hold up. Do you to give me names? Yeah, just give me names. Give me names. Go ahead. All right, Pat. Taking Patrick Mahomes. Lamar's that's two. Dak. Dak. Ooh, not taking Dak. All right, Jalen Hurts. Taking Jalen Hurts. Three. Uh, Tua. Nah, still give me Burrow. All right, Stroud. Yeah, I'm taking CJ Stroud. Four, Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, give me T Law. Uh, I know people, people, people look at T Law's record and think that he's bad and he doesn't know how to throw the ball. Go watch a game of Trevor Lawrence playing football. Mm. Give him a few years. What is that? The AFC South? Yep. Hey, watch out. AFC South, watch out. They're showing they've shown you flashes, but when mm. T Law's healthy, that line is good. They mm. do very scary stuff. I'm talking about if you like, there's this one play where I forgot who it was against, but it was during the regular season. He stepped up into the pocket while he is getting tackled, zings it for a touchdown. I'm I think like, that was against Cincinnati, it might have been. I think it was on the Monday night. I think so. Uh, but I was like, yo, if if Burrow had did that, the the media would still be talking about it today. Yeah, well, that's the consequence. Well, not all consequences are bad. So, yeah, that's the consequence of being a media guy, i.e. Redacted and Joe Burrow, Dak, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Look, keep going down these lists of quarterbacks. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, did I say Deshaun Watson? Uh, mm, nah, give me, give me Burrow. Matt Stafford. Give me Stafford. Uh, Geno Smith. <laughs> Give me Burrow. Okay. Okay. So he's like, based off my little assessment here. And you're oh, gonna... you didn't say Purdy. Give me Purdy. I was just about to say Purdy. Give me Purdy. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Give me Mr. Irrelevant over a number one overall pick. Yep. Woo! <laughs> Um, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, Purdy's top ten in my books. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, based off this little assessment here, you had Joe Burrow in like the tier two, tier one point five ish. So I mean, I think I have him there too, maybe tier one point five, but still capable, still competent. I think. One more, one more year, like we saw in twenty twenty one. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the naysayers and retractors will have to reassess their takes. Absolutely. Um, and funny enough, he's in the toughest division of football. So it's like if you're making it out the AFC North, you earned it. You definitely mm-hmm. earned it, and you fought for it hard. But let's uh. Talk to me about Rex Burkhead. Former Bengal, funny enough. Uh, Rex Burkhead also played with New England and Houston when they were with the Patriots. Hmm. Drafted in the sixth round, and he made an 11-year career out of it. Playing running back, coming out of uh, the University of Nebraska. Mostly known as a pass catcher, but he... He, you know, he can put his head down every now and then. Very good utility, mainly RB2 across his career. He's decided to hang out the cleats. No Pro Bowls, but they wouldn't ring with the Patriots, like I said. So, salute to Rex Burkhead and best of luck in your future endeavors. Why do you think he's hanging it up so early? I mean, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Do you he think- didn't play at all in 2020. He didn't play at all in 2023. But he's 
he was serviceable in Houston for two years prior to that. So I think it's just time for him to move on to other things. Okay. Hey, salute to Rex Burkhead. Um, let's get into these hot takes and cold facts. All right. I got hot take for you. Um, Joe Burrow will never reach the Super Bowl again. Hmm. You know, you might be on something there. <laughs> uh, only time would tell. Never means something. And he was just in the AFC Championship two years ago. So, well, hey. well, last year. So, I think he can get back there. So, you've already written off Josh Allen, now you're writing off Joe Burrow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Second one I got for you is Redskins coaching hires will leave them worse off no matter what talent they bring in. Four commanders. Oh. <laughs> commanders coaching hires. No matter the talent, that's will leave them worse Wow. You don't think they can get three wins with all these adjustments? Not this season. Wow. Wait, no. They haven't won three wins this year, right? I think they have four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, three, yeah, it's a little low, but I'm going to stand on it. <laughs> I think they, yeah, they were 4-13 this past season. They can't get four wins again? I don't think so. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Only tell what tell. I gotta see. I gotta see how they drive. I gotta see what free agency arrives. But hypothetically speaking, I think they have like a six-one-four. I think they can beat the Giants, and then if Philly's having a down year, mm. they believe Philly wants. Hey, don't write off the Giants. They can surprise you sometimes. Uh no, I hitched. I hitched that wagon one time. And they got bone up about 40 in week one. So I never won. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. If Kadarius Tony is lined up at wide receiver um this this weekend, the Chiefs will lose the Super Bowl. Well, um <laughs> as long as I got what did I say? Mumble sauce, ketchup. 87, 4. That's all I need. There is something you can just, you know, kill time. Be in it, just, you know, kill time. Just okay. be around. Hey. What you do? He doesn't have to get the ball to be a game disruptor, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he caught one pass in the Super Bowl last year. And he had that good promise. And then he had that great promise turn. Outside of that, he knew he didn't do anything. So, hmm. maybe he catches one pass again this year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I believe you got one cold fact. No, one uh, hot take. Yeah, I think the three-point shoot in the NBA clears the slam dunk contest. Mm. Clears. By far? Clears. Like, ever since that Aaron Gordon Zach Levine's slam dunk contest, which is probably the greatest dunk contest I've ever watched, Same. it's been downhill since then. Hmm. And the three-point shooter has been steady, very steady, and we're at the point of inflection where it's a lot more entertaining. I'd rather watch the skills challenge than the Sun Dunk contest. It's not going to lie to you. Who do they have in the three-point shootout this year? 
All right, the contestants are, I believe I have them off the top of my head. I don't think Steph is shooting this year, believe it or not. Yeah. But you got Damian Lillard. Um internet. Okay, we got Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, both on the books. You got Jalen Bronson. You got Tyrese Halliburton. You got Tyrese Maxey. You got Spider Mitchell, and you got Larry Markman. All in the three-point shootout. Did I get them all? Brunson, Woodward, Beasley, Howie, Markin, and B. Mitch, Max. Yeah, that's all. Honestly, I need to watch some more basketball because I've seen in these past few years some new stars have emerged that while I haven't been really focusing on it too much. But I'm going to start Apparently, there's a chance, there's a chance, there's a chance for more uh, contestants because currently there's only seven, so there may be a few more. But so as of right now, how do you get seven. selected to be a three point contest? Politics, politics, and he got that that quick. So, is it, got that quick. do a coach's pick? I'm pretty sure it's like fans. I'm not pretty sure who's in charge because, mm. like, yeah. I feel like also. Sometimes your first choice says no. Mm. I eat Steph or something like that. I'm sure. I'm sure they ask Steph every year. Then he picks and chooses when he wants to. Wants to when he wants to participate. So yeah, and then the Sun Dunk Contest. You have this year Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaime Hakes, Jacob Toppin. And Mac McClung. I know who Mac McClung is. I know that. Yeah. You know Mac McClung from high school. Uh, uh, Jacob Tobin, I believe, is Obi Tobin's brother. I had never seen him dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's a, a G leaguer. Mm. You see what they're doing to my all star Saturday night? Just getting anybody because nobody wants to participate anymore. I think even if you, when you look at the NBA in totality, we're at the tail end of LeBron's career. LeBron got a few more years in him. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the NBA, I got to find some new stars to root for, um, honestly. Yeah. Um, but let's get into the cold facts. Talk to me. Change the temperature for me. All right. So... Did you know that Devin Hester is going to be in the Hall of Fame this year? I believe it. Yep. One of, the, one of the greatest return men to ever touch this earth. If you ask Dion, he's the greatest return man on this earth. In his career, he was a Bear, a Raven, a Falcon, a Seahawk. Bear, Raven, Falcon, Seahawk. Am I missing one? I think, that, I think that's all of them. Most notably with the Bears, but as a return man, he played. In, he was on that Bears team that went to the Super Bowl, and then the opening kickoff, he took it to the crib. Unfortunately, they lost to Peyton, but that was a good moment for him. Uh, three-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro, and then and a bunch of other accolades. Uh, he has the most career return TDs, NFL record twenty. He has the most career punt returns for a touchdown, 14 NFL record. And he has the most punt return touchdowns in the season. He's tied with six. Hmm. Uh, he put corner, wide receiver, and running back as well. 
Ryan got Corner? grabbed all, for a little bit, but he got coached. So then I was like, yeah, stay on offense. <laughs> um, he was on the all decade team. He's one of the he was one of the best bears ever. Um, so yeah, shout out to Devin Hester. Well deserved. I remember using you and men for a number of years. Very great athlete. Also went to the U, so shout out. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. My next cold fact. So the Clippers traded for James Harden at the top of the season. Yeah. I don't think we covered it, but he did say he's not a system player. He is the system. This system has led the Clippers to a 15-3 and record since uh, New Year, since December 31st. And over the last 39 games of the season, they're 31-8. And fun fact, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Paul George are all teammates, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been teammates with Paul George on two, di- on two different occasions, OKC and L.A., and now he's been teammates with James Harden on three different occasions, OKC, Houston, and now here in L.A. Hmm. Oh, so is Russell Westbrook the problem? Oh um, well, he's. It looks like he found his footing as a, a cover. I think it's crazy that the two players that were going to get away with them, get away from him and now are playing with them together at the at the same time. Can't so, leave them, join them. Yeah, you know if you if you look in the crystal ball, we might see Kevin Durant in the cover of his jersey down the line from the way it looks. I doubt it, but hey. Wait the the Cavs are hooping right now. What's going on? Yeah, the Cavs aren't bad, you know. Collins, not oh no, no, no. Collins is on the Jazz. There is there is Garland is looking pretty good. Uh, pair paired up with Donovan Mitchell, it's a great duo that's doing damage. Huh. they're number two in the Eastern Conference, behind the Celtics, and they're head of the Bucks. The yeah, Knicks I think won, the Knicks are winning this season too. Whoa, bro, 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 bro. watch who's bro. Come on, come uh, yeah, on. I'm, I'm, I'm out of touch. What Jalen Brunson? Yeah, Jalen Brunson, Julius, Julius Brand, Josh Hart. Because you know they traded for, you know, the Knicks traded for traded for Anunoby from Toronto, mm. and since then they've been looking pretty electric. I can't lie to you. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know the Raptors are on full rebuild, but. Uh, before before he got injured, OG on the Nobi, he was making an immediate impact for the for the Knicks. He's sitting out with an elbow injury, but in 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 uh, let's see how many games has he put with New York? Over the last ten, he's averaged seventeen, four and one. Hmm. Pretty good splits. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to start watching some NBA basketball. Definitely, um. Speaking of the NBA, let's talk about what's going on in the NBA. Um, Scotty Barnes and Trey Young, what's what's going on over here? So yeah, so in the East, uh, Julius Randle is also injured. Joel Embiid is also injured. They were selected as All Stars for the Eastern Conference, and because they are injured, they're being replaced by Scotty Barnes out of Toronto and Trey Young out of Atlanta. I'm not mad at that at all. All right. Yeah. And then we got the trade deadline approaching. What moves do you think are coming up? 
There are rumblings that Corey Thompson could be on his way out. Really? There's also rumblings that Andrew Wiggins might be on his way out. Really? So, yeah. Uh, you know, the Warriors might shake it up a little bit. Outside of that, I uh, let's see. Bruce Brown has been rumored to be on the move. DeJounte Murray has been rumored to be on the move. So, yeah. There's a few different things that can happen. You know, prior to the trade deal and approaching, we saw the Siakam trade to Indianapolis, Indiana, pardon me. And you saw the Ananobi trade to New York. So mm-hmm. there's been a few moves so, so far, but we'll see if any any other big moves are on the way. You know, LeBron, the LeBron trade rumors were there, but he's staying in L.A. as far as I'm concerned. I don't think... As a team, you're allowed to trade LeBron. Like, like morally speaking, like actually, even logically speaking, like LeBron could be on his last leg. The impact that he has on our market. Do you really want to lose that? Do you want to lose a billion dollars of market value? Because I think LeBron. So here's, here's here's like an Easter egg. So you know about the the decision to go to the Heat, right? Yeah, that was a that was a trade. For real? Yeah, I think they they packaged it that way because they didn't want it to you know, LeBron got traded. Dude. So I think he packaged it that way. So it looks like he just said, "Yeah, I'm going to tap Miami," but not nah, he got traded there. Why? I mean, the Cavs were looking pretty nasty. He wanted out though. Yeah, yeah, they won. Yeah, they won 66-16 in the second round, I think. So, yeah, Dan Gilbert. Yeah, it was a a very nasty work going on. Dan Gilbert, that entire situation was hectic. LeBron was out there playing with plumbers, bro. Hey, man. Get it how you live, man. Yo, at the end of the day, when when people do an analysis on LeBron versus MJ – Look at the teams that LeBron was taking to the to the championship in totality, especially in those formative playoff years. Look at what LeBron was doing. He's been an absolute unit for 21 years, and he's not stopping now. You could argue that he's had a good amount of help, though. Anthony Davis, Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving. But if LeBron is not on those teams, do they win? Nah. <laughs> All right. You know, there's a difference between – uh, getting help and being the help, you know. Hey, shout out, Katie. <laughs> um, so just to inform you, so that Miami deal, he was traded. It was a signing trade mm. for a second rounder, two future first rounders, and a future second rounder. Okay. What those pick, what the what those picks ended up becoming, I'm not sure right now, but I can probably talk about that on the future episode. Yeah. Um, and then we're speaking about you're talking about the Warriors, right? And you said they're trying to get rid of Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. Is the Warriors dynasty on this last leg? Oh, you know, they just won that championship like two years ago. Hmm. But interestingly enough, last year they were awful on the road, like, like abysmal. I think they were like four and like 30 or something. Yeah. They somehow won. Did they win the playoff series against Sacramento? I know it was. I know it was a game seven. Like I can't remember who won. But anyway, 
Um, they're rebuilding, you know. KD's gone. Steph is getting out there in age. Draymond can't keep can't keep his hands to himself. James Watson was a bust. They had to trade him. Moses Moody still developing. Jonathan Kaminga. Yeah, they're very young, you know. So they're looking to embrace the rebuild, and I think Koi Thompson is not in their future. I think he got benched recently. So it's like typically, yeah, typically when you bench your when you bench your vets, you're getting ready to move them. So yeah. Hmm. So like, what franchise do you think has? has been able to successfully move off of like a dynasty type run into a mini rebuild and then going on another run again. The Celtics. Celtics. I think, yeah. I think Brad Stevens did just enough to get that team somewhere where a, a, an actual coach that knows what he's doing can take that team and mold it into something useful. I.e. Ime Yudoka, Joe Mazula. Yeah, honestly, because when you look at this that team, that team is stacked. You got Jason Tatum, Porzingis, Jalen Brown, you st- and you still have Al Horford on the roster, and yeah. you got a lot of defensive guys too. I don't yeah. know who's Spiatsolav Miakialik is. I don't know who that is, but uh, he's on that roster too. And yeah, you got Drew Holiday too. So hey, shout out, shout out. Yeah, yeah. funny enough, I was watching a video uh, detail with the Nuggets, the Nuggets. The Nuggets rebuild post mellow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look what that turned out to. They got the best player in the NBA doing the Taco Bell commercial <laughs> for the Quesarito. Hmm. So, hey. The art of rebuilding a team is, is definitely a skill, right? And I think oh, yeah. The right GM. Yeah. Uh, We'll definitely have to talk about in the future, like some of these rebuilds, especially even across multiple different franchises when you look at NBA, NFL. And honestly, my hopes were that the commanders were about to do like a big turnaround, but I think that the commanders are going the slow route. That's why I say that they're not going to be on anything next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be an overnight change, but I think it's going to be drastic regardless. Uh, drastic, uh, no, debatable. Yeah, I give them five years to get get their sea legs back. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about Fred Van Vliet. Fred Freddy, Fred is a hooper, bro. He went undrafted at the at a, um Wichita State, and in that Raptors championship run, he was kicking behind. Um, but yeah, you know he's a guard. He's like six one. He be blocking shots, mm. like he be like, like getting getting after it. Mm. Um, he's one of the better point guard shot blockers I can think of. Mm-hmm. He's not even six one. He's six foot. Went undrafted, like I said. Um, not even thirty yet. Yeah. Um, some popular short shot blockers were Dwayne Wade, um, uh, Lindsey Hunter. And a few others, but this is probably one of the best shot blocking guards I can think of right now. Hmm. How many blocks does he have on his career? The fact that we're calling Dwayne Wade short at four at six four is so funny. The league is hilarious. When you when you think of shot blockers, yes. Yeah. Um I'm I'm trying to look at his career. He 
in his career. Oh, he was averaging a block per game in 2022. Yeah, he's swatting. Um, oh, that was in the playoffs. He broke a record. He had four blocks last Sunday. Hmm. And he is now he set the record for the most blocks by a player six feet or shorter in the in a single season. Hmm. The record was previously held by Mookie Blaylock. And he brought and uh Freddie broke this record yesterday. Well it was a it was a, it was reported that he broke this record yesterday. Hmm. Okay, because he's on the Rockets now. Yeah. Okay. Remember, he signed that real big contract. Him and uh, Dylan Brooks, yeah, signed those, signed those major contracts with the with the, with the uh, Rockets. Yeah, over the summer. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back to me. Oh, hey, salute to Fred Van V. Fred Van V. Fred Double V. That's yeah. that's what I'm doing right now. Fred Double V. Funny enough, he says that some of these blocks he wanted to be wanted wanted to be counted as steals. Hmm. He says, uh, I had to protest and talk to the league about how some how to get some of those as steals. Every time I, I think I got a big steal game, I got to go to the locker room and they give me three or four blocks. I can't do nothing with blocks. They don't do nothing for me. You know what I mean? If I add those on to steals, I think I'll be running away with the steals lead. Funny enough, over his career, he's averaged 1.3 steals per game. And in 2022 to 2023, it was 1.8 steals per game. So I see what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's really a defensive guy, um, and at one point averaging up to 1.9 steals per game. So he really gets after it. He hustles, and as you can see, he went for like uh, you were talking about, Dan. He went from undrafted to um, being essentially and not even essentially. He's an NBA star. Um, yeah, and over his career, averaging around 15 points per game. So yeah, he's a solid player. Yeah, yeah, the finals run. Was a key contributor, key contributor, key, wow, key, key contributor, contributor to yeah. that uh, Raptors team that won the finals in 2019. He got the he got the bag from Houston. Loki wanted him to be a wizard once we traded John Wall, but it's all good. So yeah, I mean, shout out to Fred VanVleet. Yeah, hopefully our friend. You know, we're in rebuild this year. We're not going to talk about it, but we're in rebuild. Shout out to Bilal. I see you, baby. You you on the work out there. All right, let's talk about the WNBA. So, Neka Ogwamike joins the Seattle Storm. People are saying this is a new big three. And uh, people were saying to explain this in NBA terms, right? So, they're saying this is essentially like the last year of the Rondo, Garnett, and Pierce era. Or the big three of Melo, Russ, and PG. Which, honestly, when I read that, it sounded very uh, melodramatic, and I was like, why is this news? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> neither of those teams did anything. I thought you were, like, about to tell me, like, we're about to see, like, a LeBron heat-level run, you know? We we might. I mean, I think the Aces still kind of are running the yard in the WWE right now. But okay. the Storm, the, the Storm is still – are still the Storm – they got they got a unit here, you know. Neko was a former uh, MVP. She's on she's on a one year deal, so this could just be a a ring, a ring chase move. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got Neko. I think uh, they also agreed to terms with uh, was it um, was it Skyward Diggins and who was the other? 
uh, yeah, because you know Skylar Diggins and Jewel Lloyd are making up the other parts of that three big three. So it kind of reminds me of Boston. Jewel Lloyd will be that uh, Paul Pierce role role because she was the longtime player there, and then Ray Allen and then Kevin Garnett will be Diggins and and Neka. Mm-hmm. Um. She so according to, to reports, she said that the idea she was advocating to play with uh Skylar Diggins when she was up on the Sparks. She was trying to get Skylar Diggins, Skylar Diggins Smith, pardon me, she's married. Skylar Diggins Smith traded to uh, I believe that was the the uh LA Sparks, but now they're all teaming up in uh Seattle. So I think it's dope, you know, Seattle basketball. They they were winning an NBA franchise back there for a while, but now they got the super team in in the WNBA. They're probably gonna try to co- compete against the the Aces and the and the um and the Mercury. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it for for sure. Um, she put something here. First player in NFL history to finish top three in rush yards. Talk about that. I'm going to step away for a second. For sure. Kyron Williams, my guy, fifth rounder. You know, he had some some injuries his rookie year. And this year, Sean McVay unleashed the dog, as he calls himself. He was taught through in rushing uh, with 1,144 yards, even though he missed five he missed five games with an ankle injury. Had a great year. I'm looking forward to him bouncing back. Uh, next year, it's acting on it. Uh, he suffered the slight injury in the playoff game against Detroit. So I just think he needs to work on staying healthy. And when he's healthy and on the, and on the field, he does damage. Uh, him and Puka, the fifth-round rookies in back-to-back years, feel like they're going to be mainstays in this Rams roster for a while now. I'm looking forward to seeing how they pan it out. The, rosters, the Rams have an exciting roster, and Kyron Williams – was a steal, honestly. Definitely. definitely looking forward to see what he does, and uh, I'm definitely going for him next year in fantasy. Uh, I would be very surprised if he doesn't hit 1,500 yards next season, or even I mean, at this trajectory. I would love to see it. Stay healthy, my boy. We're rooting for you over here. Absolutely. But let's talk about the African Cup of Nations, AFCON. AFCON, AFCON. We're in the, what, I think semifinals. We got Nigeria versus South Africa. If you guys didn't know how we get down, baby. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, Dan is a Nigel boy, so. No, we get down, baby. Be two, three, four, you right? Yeah. So let me talk about some of the storylines going into this game. So for Nigeria, they they currently have an underperforming attack, only scoring five goals from – so far, uh, if there's a time that it would be good for Nigeria to get things back to where they need to be attacking-wise, it's this match versus South Africa side that's playing with supreme confidence. Osmahan, who may not play due to injury, has been among the biggest underperformance underperformers, but he'll be fit and ready to lead the Super Eagles to their first AFCON final since 2013 when when they also won the tournament in Equatorial Guinea. For South Africa, Bafana Bafana haven't scored many goals, but when they do, odds are that Femba Zwane is involved with two goals 
and one assist in the tournament. If he can net a third, he'd become the first South African player to score three goals in a tournament since Sean Bartlett in 2000. South Africa haven't been to an African Cup of Nations final since 1998, but last won the tournament in the 1996 edition. What do you think about that? Hey, man, listen, you know how we get down, you know? We handle business against Angola, don't handle business again. At least South Africa has a good unit, though, but I feel like we just, I think it's our year. We got to get it done. Yeah, I think you guys will get it done. It's going to be playing Wednesday at noon. So be on a lookout if you're seeing this before then. If not, uh, I guess look at the post score. And then the second game, um, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. versus the Dominican Republic of Congo, DRC. Democratic. Democratic. Oh, Democratic. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Democratic Republican of Congo, DRC. You know what I'm saying? The DRC boys, right? So Ivory Coast it has been ho- is hosting uh, the Afcon this year, and right. we've been very much an underdog, right? They've been the under. They fired their coach earlier during the tournament, and they've made it here by the skin of their teeth by winning through penalties and things of that nature. And they've had a lot of close games, like when mm-hmm. I. Uh, mm-hmm. when I look it up, like they even only made it past the the knockout round. Um, because of uh, PKs, yeah, PKs. They be Senegal. They be uh Senegal in the uh, PKs. They be Mali in extra time. It looks like, yeah. So they're by no means a bad team, but they've already lost to Nigeria during uh, the group stage. Um, they got housed by Equatorial Guinea four zero, but here they are. They've made it to this point, and this will really decide where they go from here. In the words of the great man, Sean Corey Carter, otherwise known as Jay-Z, grand opening, grand closing. Hey. Hey, funny guy. Um, Oh, that is true. They opened 5-1. So, hey. See? So... For Congo, they have they haven't won AFCON since 1974. So for them, this is also big. Um, they haven't gotten a chance to essentially root for their team since the 70s at this at this level. Um, hmm. so that is what 1974 was that 50 years? 50 years on the dot. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, those are the big storylines. Uh, do you have any predictions or things that you think are gonna happen? I think we're gonna get a good one. Mm-hmm. I feel oh, I got some breaking news after this. Um, <clears throat> I think we're gonna get a good one. I'm looking forward to seeing the Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast, and the Super Eagles in the final. You already know who I'm rooting for, so we just we just gotta make it happen. Hey. Don't don't let Ivory Coast fool you. Those are those are some tough guys. Hey, I remember when they beat us a few years ago. Us being Ghana, mm. um, I'll never forget the name Yaya Torre. I'll never forget yeah, that. Yeah, 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 Torre. That's yep, yeah. Um, but I think the final will be uh, Ivory Coast versus Nigeria in the final, and uh, we'll see how that goes. 
but I'm gonna pass it to you to the with the breaking news and then we'll close out. All right. So I was just on X for like a half a little second and giant and according to my sources, Giants running back, the Giants are not planning on tagging Saquon Barkley and he's gonna hit the open market. So nice. you know, signed that one year deal, and now he's better just test the waters. Hey, Sa- hey. Man, hey yeah. Saquon or Derrick Henry. I'm putting out a bolo right now. Come to the Ravens, one of you. Let's figure it out. Let's make this thing work. Let's, let's win you a ring. Let's do you your due justice. You know, don't look at the J.K. Dobbins injury. Don't look at the Keaton Mitchell injury. We're not worried about those things. Come win with us. Um, We're fixing up our own line, and we have Lamar. So... The truth of the matter is, with our RPO, you're going to have open field to do your thing. Are you going to pay? Listen, do you want money or do you want to win? Well, he's on the one-year deal. So he wants... He, he like, just got $12 million, So let's, let's, let's think. Do you want money or do you want to win? Because you can have money for days. But guess what? Sign a one-year deal. Come get that ring next year. So I remember way, way back, we had the conversation about, you know, $50 million and no championship versus, like, no, $50 million and two rings versus, like, $200 million and no ring. Yeah. What do you stand on that? Like, do you want to be, like, a do you want to be, like, a Robert Ory or do you want to be, like, a... Wait, 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 what did I say? No, I'm giving you, I'm giving you room to answer right now. So that what you said in the past... <laughs> I don't, I don't remember what, what I don't I don't remember what I said in the, the past. So okay. I, I definitely said I definitely said take the ring, glory. Okay. I'm standing on it. Take the pay cut. Get, still feel that way. Because my thing is, the running backs respectfully, right? Take the pay cut now, get your ring, and then hit the free market and go make your money. You're coming off a Super Bowl. When you was that easy. He is pretty paid, forty million in his career. Uh, amongst running backs, I think he's like six highest paid. So yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we see Saquon in the in the north. You know, he's only twenty six. Also, you know, yeah. he probably got like what few few more years under him, like probably like four, five, six. Yeah, no y'all. No y'all. Y'all gonna get every last yard out of him. So probably about <laughs> probably about four or five six, like you said. Yeah. Hey, you know. Listen. Let's let's do the right thing here. Let's go get that right. Do the right thing. Do the right thing is pretty easy. Is it or is it honest? Here we are. <laughs> hey, you know. But him or Derrick Henry, honestly, I'm going to be excited to see where they go. Um, but besides that, we'll be talking more about the Super Bowl um, in our next episode. Uh, we'll, I think we'll be putting out one more before the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. We'll have our final storylines, things of that nature. We'll talk some more about what's going on with these coaches, and we'll talk more sports news and events. But, yeah, please – like, subscribe, follow Fever Pitch Pod everywhere uh, on YouTube, Fever Pitch Podcast. If you want the visuals, 
so you can come see our beautiful faces, um, especially Dan, oh, the beard man. Hey, relax, bro. <laughs> Alias Kate, right there. Trying to get like me. Uh, please yeah. don't stay. Um. Please go look at the visuals, guys. Uh, Dan says he's trying to get like me. As you can see, I don't have a beard. Dan has a very luscious beard. So yeah. don't let him lie to you. But with that being said, it's been Brian. And Dan. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Take care. God bless.